Well, hello, friends, friends of the podcast. Welcome to the soft, hard, and wet. Since we are Texans, we're enjoying our and basking in the glory of the United States Grand Prix this weekend. John, why don't you give me some of your initial thoughts and takeaways? Let's just roll right into it. I'm, I'm not messing around today. Let's just roll with it. What are your initial thoughts and takeaways from this weekend down in Austin? Yeah, I'm with you. Let's uh, let's dive right in. It's a great week for Texas as we are both uh, watching the last little bit of the Texas Rangers hopefully clinch this up and move to the World Series. Can I start off by saying first, though, I really enjoyed watching the race with you because normally I'm watching the race solo and it's early in the morning and maybe my daughter gets up and she wants to hop in the chair with me and she wants to talk about the race a little bit. Can't get too in deep with her. And although you shared zero tortilla chips with me during the entire race, I still had a good time watching it with you. (laughs) I offered. It's not like I was hogging the whole thing, but yes, I smothered a bag of chips and queso. I demolished it. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, it was a good time. I, I'm glad we got to get, get together and watch it. Hopefully we can do one more uh, before the end of the year. I, I, I go back and forth. I thought it was, it had the potential to be a really cool race. And I think for the casual fan, it might've been a little bit of a struggle. You had people on different strategies. It was very, I found it to be very cerebral. So if you really like racing and you really like strategy and the chess match of what was happening there, I found it to be very entertaining. So besides the retirements or the mechanical failures or who screwed up qualifying, whatever this, we had two DQs for something that very, very rarely happens. And that's that the uh, the floor wear or something like that for Hamilton and Leclerc. It didn't pass inspection after the race. They're both kicked out. Everybody moves up some. Uh, there was a, a ripple effect down the the constructors championship as well as the drivers championship because of those disqualifications. And we'll get into that a little bit later. As you mentioned, it was a very cerebral, 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 cerebral race. John, have you had a couple of drinks tonight? No. I, okay. Yes, I have. Um, listen, I uh, sorry. It's a Monday night, but we've got a lot to celebrate, including the Rangers. But I'm with you. I think what had I watched this race maybe three or four seasons ago when we first really got into F1, I might have been not bored, but not as entertained as I had been historically. Because in the beginning of watching F1, a lot of it is about who's at the front. And like I said, John from three or four seasons ago might not have enjoyed it. John now definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about what you said there was not mentioning Ferrari at all. And Leclerc was on pole. And it's almost like we knew from the very beginning that they had no chance of doing anything important or or impressive in the race. Maybe that had something to do with watching the sprint on Saturday. They're going to eat their tires uh, faster than everybody else. They're not going to have the race pace. They definitely can't strategize. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about that, about Ferrari. After turn one, we were thinking Lando. I think some of that's track dependent, though, as well. But the more I learned and the more I listened to to interviews and people at, at the race, we're, they prepped me on Thursday and Friday for the fact that 
McLaren might struggle a little bit on this track, that this isn't going to be like uh, Qatar was for them. I had manageable expectations. I did think with Max starting in sixth, I think they had a great chance to win. The more I watched that race, the more I realized that he just didn't have the pace. There, The Red Bull was the fastest car on the track. To me, it was pretty obvious that Mercedes was the second fastest car out there. And McLaren was not a distant third, but it was fairly, it was fair to say that they were the third fastest car. Well, that and that's different because the past three races we've said Red Bull are fastest and McLaren is second. Clearly fastest. the second fastest car the last few races. Clearly the second. Obviously, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about some of the upgrade packages that were coming through, whether it were Haas bringing them to the table or Merck. I'm not a big Lewis supporter, but he looked fantastic this weekend. Well, I definitely think that that's one of his best tracks. He's he's always performed very well in Austin. Their upgrade was... It, it proved what they wanted to prove. It proved that they were on the right track with car development towards the 2024 car. The Haas upgrade, I feel like on Friday practice they had something, but because of this sprint weekend format, because of the minimal practice time, because of park Ferme conditions, they just couldn't do a whole lot to make changes um, and set the car up well. But... After the Saturday sprint race, they chose to make changes to their car and start from the pit lane on the Sunday race, just like Aston Martin did. Aston Martin made the most of those changes, and Haas, they just did what Haas do, and they didn't really make the impact that I think they were hoping to make by by taking the car out of park for make conditions, making the changes on Saturday night, and starting from the pit lane. So it it was a little disappointing. I really hope that there's more to see from this upgrade from Haas. I'm not holding my breath on it, though. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I definitely wouldn't hold my breath on it. But we were both expecting a little bit more from Haas and and uh, and from Merck and you know obviously Aston Martin. But I think Haas, when you come in and you say like this is the biggest upgrade that we've done, you know in an entire season, you would expect for it to perform a little bit better. But I also think it reminds us a little bit of, you know, when you go through and you test these cars and you do upgrades and you make changes, there's, there's only so much that you can do in the factory that still needs to be tested. And when you have a sprint weekend like this with one, you know, you've got an FP one, but you've got one hour to figure it out during free practice. You've got one hour. And you can make changes during that hour, and that's it. Yeah, and for Mercedes and Red Bull, sometimes Ferrari, McLaren, and definitely Aston Martin, you have the people to make those changes. They might not have the people on their team to make to make those changes quick enough. They need more time, they need more data, and they need more track. And they had nothing to lose by by doing it. So it was hey listen we're a few points ahead Alpha Tari. We've got a chance maybe at catching Alpha Romeo and um let's just make the changes and see what happens. 
Yeah, they didn't finish worse than they were probably slated to finish. Who knew Lance Stroll was going to... Did he just buy himself a little bit more time with that finish? Boy, he really needed those points. He needed a result. I mean, he hadn't scored anything since before the summer break. And then he's just been struggling week in, week out, race in, race out. I think it was a very big boost to the team, boost to his confidence. The fact that Alonzo didn't finish means he couldn't have finished ahead of him. So I, I see that as... And, and even so, when Alonzo did have to DNF... I don't think Stroll was very far behind him. I think he had the similar pace to what Alonzo did this weekend. And that's very encouraging if I'm Aston Martin, trying to hold on, clas- grasping at straws to to hold Lance Stroll onto my team to make it reasonable that we do keep him on our team. It was definitely his best race of the season. I don't know if it's repeatable for him. But it, but it, I mean, with four races left, it definitely, I don't know if I agree with you that it's, I don't think it's the best race of the season for him. And I can't necessarily pick out one that stands out as better, but I just think he was very, very fortunate with all of the retirements that happened today because you take Hamilton, Leclerc and Piastri and Alonzo out of the race. And I don't think there's any chance of Stroll finishing in the points if those four cars are still on the track. Possibly, but they weren't, and he still finished ninth. Right. Before. No, I'm I'm just saying he, it was a it was a fortuitous set of circumstances, not necessarily a testament to his strong performance on the track. But I mean, he still beat out Sergeant. Sonoda, Albon, <laughs> he beat out Hulkenberg. Hey, he beat out Sergeant. Botas. Good for him. K Mag. Ricardo, who we thought Ricardo was going to come back and do very well. And I mean, yeah, sure. He put on some softs and had fastest lap for a little bit. Oh, that was such a, that was such a gutsy call too from Alphatari to, to put, to, to then say, Yuki, you have enough time window for a pit stop. Why don't you come in and put on softs and go for fastest lap with a lap and a half left? Like they put softs on and then he had to go do fastest lap as he crossed the finish line. Otherwise, they would have cannibalized that point from him with Ricardo because he wouldn't have gotten that point. They could have potentially screwed themselves out of a point by doing that. So that was a very, very gutsy call strategy-wise from, from AlphaTauri to put Yuki on softs and go for fastest lap. And we... We had quite a few gutsy calls from a strategy perspective. Did we ever? Dude, as essentially everybody was was starting on mediums. We were waiting for the first pit, which Max let off on that on, I believe, 17, if that sounds right. Plus or minus, yeah. maybe one. Max, Max first I don't have pit. notes on it. Max's first pit was lap 17. He was on mediums and went to mediums. And went to mediums, right. That's interesting, too, because he's basically committing to a two-stop because he put the same tire compound on. He knew he had to, we all knew, everyone knew that he had to do at least two stops because you have to change tire compounds. Well, let's, so let's talk about that a little bit because we would, we would assume everyone knew that going to mediums, whereas Lando went to hards 
And so, of course, we were talking about the fact that, okay, is he trying a one, a one-stop strategy versus a two-stop strategy difference between mediums and hards, which I know you, you're a little bit more of a tire expert than Ooh, I am. You're throwing so around that word walk- very freely. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I said more of an expert than I am, not the expert. Yeah, it definitely There's not. There's a difference. Definitely not even an expert, just because I know a little bit more than you or think I know a little bit more than you. I mean, I'm happy to explain what I think I know, but that's about as far as I can commit to. Well, so let's walk through that a little bit. We've got, you know, we've got a race where we're waiting for the first driver to pit and kind of set the expectation on what's going to happen the rest of the race. We know there's 57 laps that are going to take place. 56, 56, 56. Okay. 56 laps. I'm not sure that anybody really believed in a one stop strategy, but, but they thought that it might work. So explain that to me a little bit. Talk to me about medium versus hard stop strategy and what all that entails from from a team and a driver standpoint what what's the expectation that they're trying to set here you know i've heard it and i don't fully understand the overcut versus undercut so basically it all comes down to track position verstappen was behind the leaders he was in third place i believe on lap 17 and he went in early. He went, he was the first one to go in and he was behind the people that he was trying to race like Hamilton and Norris were ahead of him. He pits on lap 17 and he is seven seconds behind Norris at that point. Norris was the leader. Norris sees him pit and then Norris comes in on lap 18. So Max was trying the undercut. Now, the undercut is, I'm going to go in first. I'm behind you on track. I'm going to go in first, and I'm going to get a jump start. While you have old tires for a, a lap or two, however long you're going to stay out, I'm going to get new tires, and I'm going to make up all that time. So he was trying to, even though he didn't have track position, he was basically trying to say, when you come out of the pits, I'm either trying to be right on your tail or already in front of you because I went in early and got fresher tires. So that's why when Max went into the pit on lap 17, it didn't matter what condition Lando's tires were in. In order for them to react to what Verstappen did, they had to pit on lap 18. Now, the problem is Lando took his medium tires off and did not have a new set of mediums like Verstappen did. So Verstappen had two new sets of mediums. So he used one on the first stint and one on his second stint. Lando didn't have any more new mediums. So he had to put hards on. So that's why Lando went to hards. It wasn't necessarily to try for a one-stop. It was because those were the best new tire he had. Yeah, I would just, I would question if he's going to undercut. To what extent does undercutting help you? Because then your tires are inadvertently going to wear out quicker than the people that you undercut, right? So you're going to have to, you're going to have to pit sooner and then they're able to stay out on the track longer. And at some point in time, that Delta is going to, 
the the curve is going to cross of like where's the benefit of the undercut versus staying out on the track because we know it's what 21 seconds for a pit stop right at coda yeah but that's that's when you discuss the idea of the overcut which means i'm currently ahead of you on track and i'm going to pit first now i'm going to elongate my gap when you come into the pit and come out, I'm going to try and be further ahead of you, even though I'm already ahead of you. I'm going to try and be further ahead of you. We were talking somewhere around lap 30 and saying we, because there were still a handful that needed to pit going, we don't, we think we have quite a leaderboard in play here and we know how this is going to end, but a lot of it still depends on how they pit, what they put on, and how these people perform. And un- unbeknownst to us, that you know Max was going to have braking issues, which made quite for interesting uh, radio commentary between him and GP. Don't talk to me, I'm braking. <laughs> uh, which was <laughs> that was really funny, <laughs> kind of funny. But also, it, t- this this opened up my eyes a little bit more to strategy because we were also harping on Hamilton a little bit here. He's always finding some way to complain, whether it's in the um, formation lap or talking about the fact that, you know, they missed the pit window. You brought me out too late. There's too big of a gap uh, to close out. And, you know, we're sitting here going too big of a gap. It doesn't matter. You're coming out like P5 right now anyway, and you've got quite a bit to catch up. But truth be told, had there been three more laps in the race, he would have he would have caught Max. I I don't know. I don't know if he would have. I think Max had more pace in hand. Um, at the end of the race, but regardless, the big fault of Mercedes this weekend was them trying to consider the one stop for Lewis. They pushed him to, so Verstappen pits on lap 17, Norris pits on lap 18. Those are, those are the people Hamilton's racing. He's not racing anybody else. He waits till lap 21 and then goes in for hards. And at that point, he was five and a half seconds clear of Verstappen. When he came back out on track, he was five and a half seconds clear of Verstappen. Or it might have been right before he goes in. I can't remember. But the idea was, make, <laughs> make Max pass you on the track. Like, don't, don't throw it in and go for a two-stop. Or if you're going to go for a two-stop, Cover him off. He went in on lap 17. Why'd you wait till lap 21? You lost all the 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 juice in those tires by waiting till lap 21. Norris pits on lap 35 for another set of hards because he doesn't have mediums. And Verstappen then pits on lap 36. So he's covering off the undercut like we talked about earlier. Norris pits on 35. Verstappen pits on 36. When he comes out of the pit, he's only a second and a half clear of Lando. Lando held on to the back of him. You know, he was passed on lap 28 and Max didn't break DRS until lap 32, which I thought was pretty interesting considering Max was on mediums, you know, older mediums at that point, And Lando was on hards. Lando hung on to the back of him for a good amount of time. And I thought that was very admirable for Norris. But then on lap 37, Hamilton is 15 seconds to Verstappen. So Hamilton has 15 seconds in hand with 19 laps to go. And then they choose to pit him on lap 39. So rather than try, and I agree that the one stop was probably not in the cards 
But he had 15 seconds on Verstappen, who was also on hards at this point, albeit new hards. Could they have held on for the win? I don't think so. You think Max could have, would have taken him in those 19 laps? I think he would have. Brake issues and all. Now, Max, I think Max Max's would. tires were way newer, like 16, 17 laps newer. I think, I think if Mercedes was really trying for a one-stop, they should have pushed Hamilton to like lap 25 on mediums on that first stint and then tried to ride him out. But I think, if anything, if you're going to go for a two-stop, you have to cover off who you're racing. And those guys pitted on lap 17 and 18, and you waited till lap 21. At that moment right there, Mercedes' race was all but lost, in my opinion. Well, weren't they trying to push him out for that? They were asking him, hey, can you get five more laps out of this? And he's like, man, I don't know. These tires are terrible. This isn't going so well. He kind of was swinging wide uh, towards that last. Yeah, at the end of uh, those mediums. Last turn going into the straight. Yeah. Like he was, you know, at, to what extent was he, was tired Deg really pa- playing an issue versus him just complaining enough to get new tires? I think he probably, he came in two laps after that. He probably could have gotten five if he pushed himself and then they would have been in a situation um, that at the end of the day didn't matter because he got disqualified anyway. That's true. You know, we're talking about all this uh, strategy opportunity and missed opportunity for Mercedes. But if they would have just had a normally worn floor or inside of the grace of the uh, threshold for that regulation, then we wouldn't be having this discussion. It wouldn't even matter. He was much closer to Max than anyone else has been this He got season. it down in that last lap. Which is lap, why I still think he could have caught him had there been... That last lap, he was down to like 1.4, 1.3. It was close. And then he just knew he didn't have it, so he backed off. Finished 2.25. Yeah. I mean, there was no there was no point because Lando was so far behind him. It it was irrelevant. Yeah. Just finish the race and, and be done with yeah. it. Yeah. Well, my other quick hits from this race that I think are worth noting are Logan Sargent getting his first points in the championship. I think that was it's it's not the greatest way to get it, but he had a good enough race that because of what happened in those disqualifications that he was opportunistic. He was in that place and you know what? It's a it's championship points in Formula 1 and those don't come around very often unless you're a, a generational championship talent. point. Well, whatever. It's, Championship point. It is a you you have I'll take you it. have scored. I'll take it. You have scored in <laughs> Formula One. And it's the first American yeah. driver to do it in like 30 years or something like that. So we gotta feel pretty good about that. Also, AlphaTari, which we thought was gonna walk away with two points, actually walked away with five and doubled their season total thanks to those disqualifications. So they went from five to ten. Uh, overnight, which for them was, that's a fantastic result. Gasly having a sneaky good finish, you know, very quiet, very underrated performance from him. Helps out Alpine a ton. McLaren takes over fourth in the constructors. They pass Aston Martin. They're still 80 points behind Ferrari, which I think is an insurmountable amount. Uh, Ferrari's 22 points behind Mercedes. 
I think it all but solidified that Sergio Perez is going to win, uh, or not win, he's going to finish P2 in the drivers because of Hamilton's disqualification. Sergio is now 39 points ahead with four races to go. That means Hamilton has to outscore him by 10 points a weekend. Um, I just don't see that happening. I know Sergio has been inconsistent, but I still think he's going to be strong enough to finish P2, and that'll give Red Bull their first one-two in the Drivers' Championship. I think that's pretty much sewn up at this point. What's not Mm -hmm. sewn up is fourth through eighth. Alonso at 183, Sainz at 171, Norris at 159, Leclerc at 151, and Russell at 143. It's tight. It is. And I think it's really tight. I think Norris at he's in sixth right now. I don't see, and there's four races left. I still don't see a way where he doesn't pass Alonso and finish fourth in the driver's championship. Yeah. It's really between Norris and signs at this point in the last four races, Lando Norris has scored 80 points. So he's averaging 20 points a weekend in the last four races. He's on a podium streak, and I'm not saying this will continue. But in the last four races, he's scoring 20 points a weekend, 80 points in the last four races. Same time period, Fernando Alonso, 13. Now, I'm not saying that another four races will go this way, but even if it even if it's half of that. Well, Alonso also didn't have the same to my knowledge, upgrades that Lance had this weekend. He was driving the spec car, right? Which You're is right. partly You're right. what what led to his issues. But at this point in the game with four races left, he can't afford to have automobile issues that affect where he stands. And uh, Alonso could theoretically drop three places before the end of the season, which would be quite unfortunate, but it's definitely possible. So let's review what we chose for pole, third place, second place, and first place. And just to review the point system here, correct me if I'm wrong. Pole was worth one point. Or was pole worth two points? Two. That's right. Pole is worth two points. Third place is worth one point. Second is worth two. And first is worth three. Mathematically speaking, you are sound. Awesome. So for pole position... And then we didn't predict the sprint. So for pole position, I chose Max Verstappen. You chose Oscar Piastri. We were both wildly wrong there. <laughs> uh, Matt, I thought Max was a sure thing. I thought that was going to be a very easy two points for me to get. And then he has his lap time deleted, and I go cry in the corner. Third place, you went for Carlos Sainz. Now, my friend, he was not third on the track. But because of the disqualification, you get that point, buddy. I'd like to say I knew it was going to take place, but I knew it was going to take place. I chose George Russell. Not happy about my prediction there with George Russell. I thought he was going to have a better weekend, but should have rode the Lewis Hamilton train. But I guess that doesn't really matter because he got disqualified. Second Mm -hmm. place, you had Sergio Perez, and that is wrong. 
I thought that he was going to be back this week. And in many ways... He was. He did pretty well. He was. But he wasn't... He was back, but he wasn't back back. Correct. And then I chose Max Verstappen to finish second place because I was drinking the McLaren Kool-Aid and I had Lando to finish P1. He did not. And you chose for P1 Max Verstappen. So you get three full points for the win, plus one for third place. You have blanked me so far in these predictions, four to zero. Uh, I, I just I bow down to your greatness. You did an amazing job this weekend, but I'm wet, ready and willing to take a, a sweep this weekend in Mexico. So lay it on me. Pole position in Mexico. Who you got? Hamilton. Ooh. As a Max Verstappen, you're, you're supposed to be a Max Verstappen fan, and you are Team LH all over this podcast today. Hey. I am a Max Verstappen fan, and as we get to the remainder of our picks, I will tell you who the better driver is, and he <laughs> proved it once again last week after starting P6 and finishing P1. Third place. Well, who do you have for pole? Oh, thank you for asking. I would like to know your thoughts on this as well, Thomas. <laughs> I uh, I feel like I'm going to just play it safe and go with Verstappen. I don't think he will lose his lap time this time around, and I think he wants that. Uh, he he wants another pole position, and he's he's a robot. He's going to be fine. Uh, give me Verstappen for pole. So you're picking with your mind and not with your heart. Indeed. And I can appreciate that. Indeed, trying to go, I got to get some points back. Okay, P three. What are we thinking? Sergio Perez, podium at his home race. I can appreciate that. I'm going to go with Lance. Nope. Not doing that. You were going to say Lance Stroll. I was, just to joke with you. But I will say Lando. Another podium for Lando. Okay. Yep. P2. Checo. Okay. I'll go Hamilton on, on P2. Okay. I can appreciate that. Having him on pole myself, I think that that's a wise choice. We know who's going to win. Max. Uh, 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 uh. Max Verstappen, um, 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 um. and then we're gonna hear the Belgium national anthem. Belgium, you know what I'm talking about. Well, I do, but you don't seem to know what you're talking about because when Max wins, there are two national anthems that are played, and neither one of them is Belgian. <sighs> I am currently fielding 29 text messages about the Rangers World <laughs> Series appearance right now. So you're going to have to excuse me. Thank you for me. giving me your complete and undivided attention for this. <laughs> so you've taken friend. you've taken Verstappen for the win. You don't are you sure you don't want to change that to Oscar Piastri? You don't want to get up back on that hype train. Boy, he really just kicked me in the gonads this weekend, didn't he? <laughs> he certainly did. It wasn't his fault. Well, it could have been. Uh, he got. Yeah, it was more mechanical too. failure and 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 damage than anything else. So I'm gonna pick Verstappen for the win. So this is the first time that we've done these predictions where I have not put a McLaren anywhere in my predictions for pole one two three, and I will gladly be wrong with every one of these predictions this weekend for a McLaren win. <laughs> I would be so happy for a McLaren win. So. 
you're basically using reverse psychology on the McLaren team. I'm using reverse right predictology. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, In the hopes that we'll McLaren keep our show crossed. up. Yeah. All right. Well, it'll be another great weekend. Second leg of a triple header. And I'm excited to sit down and watch this at a reasonable time of day. Although it does cut into our football Sunday viewing. We look forward to Mexico. Viva Mexico y la gente en Mexico también. Thanks for listening and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>